We have to have lots of bits of water, by the way. Okay. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Welcome to my sixth episode of If Comedians Rule the World. I have to say to you that I am so disappointed with my next guest. And I will tell you why I am disappointed. This is someone I have known and has supported my presidency over the last 11 years. You'd think that he will have a poster of me behind him, but what does he have? He has a poster of the North Korean dictator, Kim Jong-un, who happens to be my friend. And it is annoying. It gets me really angry when people do this because his excuse would be that I am not a real dictator and that I am a spoof dictator. What is his excuse for him to have Kim Jong-un behind him? Now, before I introduce my guest that I am really pleased to have, I want to thank all my audiences all over the world who have been downloading my podcast. I have to say to you that this is a new venture for me. And like I said to you at the first podcast, someone said to me, oh, you should have your director of communications to help you with this. But well, you know what happened. She did not do her job very well and I executed her. So right now, I want to introduce you to John Fleming. Now, if you do not know John Fleming and you are a comedian in the comedy industry, then you should not be doing comedy. John Fleming is a famous blogger. He blogs all over. Every time I read his stuff, I enjoy reading his stuff. I had no idea how important he was until when he referenced me about my presidency four or five years ago. And someone called Ian Hawkins said, John Fleming wrote about you, you've made it. And I genuinely thought that I had made it, that I'll be a life of the Apollo, that I'll be a taskmaster, I will be a mock of the week. It is Sunday, the 22nd of November. I am doing a Zoom interview with John Fleming. Look, I, I, there's no other way to introduce him. He is a fantastic human being. And I say fantastic, let me tell you why. When BBC Studios and E4 tried the attempted coup last year, John Fleming was in support. He supported me mentally, emotionally, not physically. He supported me in a number of ways, fighting my corner, giving me advice. And let me tell you, he is a unique individual. And I want to publicly thank him for supporting me. And I genuinely thought that, you know, after what happened last year, boom, my comedy career will go up. But, uh, it hasn't happened because of general COVID. So let me, without any further ado, introduce you to my special guest. I am really honored for him to have, normally he has problems with Tim's link, but I guess he's not been able to get out of the house today. And that's why I've been able to capture him this evening. Give it up for my guest, John Fleming. Well, the honor is mine, of course, just be in your presence. 
Look, but you, you did say it was the 22nd of November and I have to warn you about today. Are you okay today? Yes, I am okay today, exactly, yes. It is, it is the anniversary of the assassination of President Kennedy, 22nd of November. Yes. So you have to be very, very careful. I, don't go to Dallas. Yeah, I, 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 that is really, really unfortunate. But I don't think I am the one who needs to be worried. I think the orange one should be worried right now because they are, they are celebrating the anniversary of John Kennedy, as I know. And uh, we know that Donald Trump still believes that he won the election by a lot and he doesn't want to leave office. But that is, that is a different thing entirely that we might end up talking about. But thank you for reminding me. There has been lots of assassination attempts by the Western governments, but they can't find me because I am fictional. I am a spoof. They don't, they can't, they, I'm not real. I am not real. You are to me. Yes, I am to a lot of people, to a lot of deluded people around the world. So many of them are deluded. They believe I have power. You have, you have power, you have power. Well, what kind of power? I mean, yesterday when I was talking to someone called Sadia Anzat, and we were talking about homelessness and how we could fix homelessness. And she said, Mr. President, you know power corrupts. And I just said, I don't have any power. No power whatsoever. But you're the only person who ever managed to pronounce her name properly the first time. Well, I, yo, have you listened to the podcast then? No, I just imagined it. <laughs> oh, yes, I did listen to her. I, I did pronounce it properly. And she praised me for actually pronouncing her name properly. Uh, Sadia Amzat, wonderful woman. But you see, so, the, reason, the reason your career hasn't taken off, obviously, is because I supported you. You know, you haven't actually understood this yet. Yeah, I, I know you and Kate Copstick, and you were not really great influencers. I was deluded. I was deluded. I thought you could help. I thought you were the current people, but you, you guys were probably, um, how would I put it? Uh, you had an influence in the 60s, but we're now in 2020. <laughs> of course you're deluded. You're a comedian. All, all comedians are deluded. Oh, all, I, dictators, all dictators are deluded. So you're you, see, you see, this is, this is why people get confused. I don't know, after 11 years, why people still call me a comedian. I'm not a comedian. I don't do all that comedy nonsense. I am a president of a great country, a fictional country called Laughter Republic. I don't know why people call me a comedian. I find it really insulting. I'm either not, I'm not a left-wing comedian or right-wing comedian. I am a president who delivers speeches. That is what I do. I don't do comedy sets, uh, John. I do speeches. Well, you are, you are unprecedented. Yes, I am unprecedented. So look, how are you? How have you been? How have you been coping? I'm, I'm really pleased you are not dead yet because you know, COVID loves elderly people, but you, I'm pleased that you are alive. I'm only barely alive. As you know, I was in hospital in May. We don't want to talk about this, oh dear me. No, no, we don't, we don't. But I'm glad that the Nigerian Health Service brought you back to good life. Uh, high calcium, low, low, low kidney level. I, I still wake up 10 times a night with nightmares oh, yeah. of you. Of me? Well, that's good. That is dictatorship happening all over your body. That is what it is. You've made it in my dreams. <laughs> You've made it in my dreams. <laughs> but yeah, if I've made it in your dreams, why do you have Kim Jong-un behind you? Explain why you have Kim Jong-un. Well, frankly, Mr. President, I'm surprised and shocked that you don't realise that isn't Kim Jong-un. That is actually the, the, the great leader, Kim Il-sung. Oh, I, well, well, there was, I, the, was the great leader, Kim Il-sung, then there was his, his son, the dear leader, Kim Jong-il, and then there was his son, the supreme leader, Kim Jong-un. 
So uh, comedy it, trio. So no, I understand what it's like for white people when they can't recognize black people. Uh, I. I <laughs> that's, that's, racist. that's racist. It's an Asian. That's that's racist. Yeah. That's <laughs> Well, I can say anything and get away with it. Keep your hands off those people in Southeast Asia, wherever. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but I know, I know, but it's really amazing. Uh, uh, so no, he, he, he's a, he should be a great example to you because all, all three Kims were great dictators, but sadly not very funny. Uh, yeah, not very funny. But uh, you know, I I I was thinking of Donald Trump, and I genuinely <laughs> you're um, a sick man. I, yeah, I, I I I know I am sick, but I genuinely I am going to miss him because I genuinely believe that he, if he was a comedian, he has had, he's been a, a, a hilarious act for four years. Can you imagine performing for four years and people find you funny throughout for four good years? Entertainment, tremendous entertainment. I think you're going a bit far saying he's not a comedian. I think he is a comedian, isn't he? Well, I, when, I, when I started this podcast and I said, if comedians rule the world, someone said to me, one of my critics said, oh, Mr. President, but politicians are comedians. Let me tell you now, I don't see Hancock or Boris Johnson as comedians. They are open mic comedians. They're pretending to be comedians. They're not pro comedians. That's a bit, a bit harsh on Tony Hancock, famous comedian of the 1950s. No, I said Matt Hancock, not Tony Hancock. <laughs> Also, you've actually screwed up one of my, the only joke I had written down. Which oh, is, really? In fact, comedians have, have ruled the world because uh, the first, uh, Vladimir, Vladimir Zelensky was elected as president of Ukraine in, in 2019. Yes. Jimmy Morales was elected president of Guatemala in 2015. And of course, Donald Trump, the third comedian, was elected in 2016. And they're all elected. And I think the difference is these are all... <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's what makes me different from these people. They are all elected. They go through. You know, my view, John, is that democracy is a virus and we need to flatten the curve. It is an <laughs> infectious, failed system of governance. And you can tell with the state of Britain, with the state of America, it does not work. All these comedians who are now, that is the mistake they make. They il got elected. But on a serious note, you look well. You seem to be coping very well, apart from Thames Link. Is that correct? No, no. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Dreaming of you, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yes, sir. but so how? How? What have you been? How have you been coping? What have you been doing with yourself? Are you involved in any? Have you been involved in any? What was that lockdown meant for you? How? How has it affected you? Okay, I make more money. Nothing <laughs> 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 to spend it on. I can't go to comedy clubs. I can't go to theatres. Can't go to the cinema. I can yeah. only buy chocolate. If I just get fatter and fatter. This and is so yeah, so so how have you been able to? Does that has that increased your your blogging? Have you continued to create? No, because I've, I've got lockdown lethargy. I don't know if it's something to do with uh, I don't know what it is. Cycle. I, I just have total lethargy. But then I always was able to just potter around and do anything, do to to do nothing uh, aimlessly. Okay. I get it. I've got a very very high boredom threshold, which is why I can actually sit in the Edinburgh Fringe and watch like twelve shows a day or something yeah, without yeah, getting yeah. too bored. Yeah, and you know, and, 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 and what's really interesting is I know when the lockdown started uh, six months Are ago you? or so. Not, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, on the house arrest. Um, it, it's really interesting. It's not just comedians who are affected by this, also audience members, people who genuinely love comedy and used to go out on a regular basis every weekend. They are also affected by the fact they're not able to see their favorite comedians. It's just, it's, it's, it's terrible. But there's light at the end of the tunnel, isn't there? 
friend. Who, who's your favorite comedian then? It's really interesting you say this. Uh, as you know, I am not a comedian. I would say that over the last couple of years, Kim Jong-un, even though I don't find him funny. Yes, yes, he is my favorite. He's my favorite comedian. Yes, he is my favorite comedian. We don't expect. You mentioned earlier on you actually had someone shot. Did you did you shoot someone earlier on? No, I, I know I've been following there. I've been following. You know, the, what is really interesting about this, John, is when we look at the number of deaths in the uh oh, getting the, the, in, the, in the democratically elected government, uh Britain, almost fifty-five thousand, uh the United States, fifty, what two hundred and fifty thousand, North Korea. Only one person has died in North Korea. And the only reason why they died is because they were shot. You know, that's the only reason. So oh, they know how to shoot people in North Korea. He's supposedly just like one man. He, he had him shot with a, uh, an anti-aircraft gun at close range. Yes, definitely. And that, yeah, and that is, the only, that is the only reason. And you can see that, as far as I'm concerned, when we think of uh, countries and how they've been effective, the the uh, countries that are ruled by dictatorship, they have a successful and have managed COVID better than the democracy, democratic countries. That's my view. Well, that's true, of course, because China's done very well. If, if they want to shut down a city, they shut down a city, don't they? And if you go out without a mask, they probably put you in a football stadium. No, look, 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 I, this is, look, it's ridiculous the way this country is being run. I, I mean, now they're talking of vaccinations. And if I, have heard it correctly. It's almost like they're saying, oh, we're not going to make it compulsory. You will have to vote whether you want it or not. So there's every likelihood that 52% might say, yes, I want the vaccination. And the remaining 48% says, no, I don't want the vaccination. Why don't you just vaccinate everyone? Mandatory. Stop them on the streets. Vaccinate them. Straight up. You know, black, white, yellow, gay, lesbian, gender, everybody gets vaccinated. Mandatory by the government. We have too many pricks already. You know the BBC. Now, what's, what's got the BBC hasn't got anything to do with vaccinations. I thought they did TV production. Sorry? They've got loads of pricks. Oh, they've got loads of pricks. <laughs> you seem to have, you seem to have a, a thing about the BBC. Did they steal well, something from you many years ago? No, the BBC is okay. I, I pay my license fee. <laughs> you pay, you pay your I pay my license fee. Yes. So, John, you're, you're well, you're okay. You're, you're looking good. Uh, we one of the things we're going to talk about is that North Korea. You wanted to talk about North Korea as a political subject. You Why? Said had, you said I had to talk about politics, and it's too dangerous to talk about British politics in Britain. It's too dangerous to talk about American politics. Yeah, and that's why. On an earlier podcast, I don't know who it was. You said you were born in Scotland. Where did that come from? Well, that is after spending so many years in Scotland, and you know what it's like. I, you know, I. Some of us I, were born in Scotland. Sorry. Some of us were born in Scotland. Yes, but you know, my late father Idi Amin Dada loved, loved, loved Scotland very much. He, he loved, the last king. Yeah, he was the last king of Scotland, and I, I have, I, 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 I have a, an affection for Scottish people. Not that I don't like the English. But I love Scottish people. They, they are I love wonderful Scottish people. people. I hate the English, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, because right. well, well, if, you're a, if you're a comedian, which of course you're not, if you're a comedian, then I mean, you spend one month out of 12 in, in Edinburgh. So that's, that's an eighth of your life, virtually, you're spending in Edinburgh. Yeah, but I, 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 I just love Scotland. 
I love Scotland. I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future about Edinburgh. I think the only way we're going to be able to get Edinburgh back to where it is, is if we get rid of Nicola Sturgeon, because she is very, very strict in terms of how she uh, has been managing Corona compared to uh, England and, and Wales. She has a firmer grip on, on, on the Scottish uh, uh, environment. I, I genuinely think she's trying to make things different because she wants a referendum. It's, it's, it, there's no two ways about it. What you're basically saying is she's more coherent than Boris. Well, you said it. I didn't. You were the one yeah, who said it. <laughs> she has a better hairstyle. Yeah, and she has a better hairstyle. So, you want to talk about North Korea. Why North Korea, my friend? Well, well that's, uh, many people have said to me, why North Korea, including the, the inhabitants of Korea? Yeah, why? That, you said I had to talk about politics. And I thought, well, North Korea, I've been to North Korea twice. Okay, so you... 1985 and 2012. So you've been to North Korea? Yeah, twice. Okay, in 2012 and 2015? No, uh, 1985 and 2012. Okay, what was it like? Mad. It was a, well. In 1985, I thought, "Oh, this is actually 1984," and it was. <laughs> but the, the, the everyone loves living in North Korea because they don't know anything better. So the outside world is a terrible place, and uh, uh, North Korea is a people's paradise because if you're a dictator, you can uh, you can control everything. Yeah. And the, the thing about North Korea is it's on a peninsula. And they, they don't, well, certainly in 1985, and I think also in 2012, but certainly in 1985, they banned radios. You couldn't own, you couldn't legally own a radio. Uh, so if you're on the peninsula, you can't get, and there are mountains, you can't get television signals from outside and you can't listen to the radio without being shot, basically. Uh, so all you know is what the government tells you. So if the government says something in their, their television broadcasts or their newspapers, then that's the truth. So as far as the North Koreans are concerned, the, the Korean War uh, started when the, the, uh, the, uh, the nasty South Korean lackeys of the, uh, of the Americans wantonly invaded North Korea. And uh, the, uh, the North Koreans valiantly and brilliantly pushed them back to the sea until they surrendered. Now this doesn't quite explain why there were Chinese soldiers in North Korea. <laughs> the Chinese obviously came in from the north and pushed the Americans back, but that doesn't actually feature in the history books but if you're of a certain age you remember there were Chinese soldiers in North Korea but you can't say anything about it because if you if you say this to your grandchildren they'll know you're an American spy report you to the authorities and you'll get shot but, so, uh, so, so you can if you control history it's, it's that thing about if you control the past you can control the future you know what is really interesting about what you said is that oh, not not, yeah <laughs> is that North Koreans don't know what is going out, uh, yeah. happening outside outside the yeah. country. You could say the same about America. A lot of Americans don't know what is going on outside their country. Uh, well, there was a story that uh, in, in the first first Gulf War, people in Texas were very nervous because they thought it was the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is this is this is why democracy is a virus because you 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 you, you criticize North Korea for the way it's run, the fact that you know people don't have radios and you know because they they you know, look at what has happened to America, you know one minute the where where the Joe Biden has won the election, the next minute there's a recount, the next minute oh we're not sure who's won the election, oh there's fake news. The, it, it, don't you believe that you have to curtail the media? It's really important 
to control, not necessarily to control the people, to make sure that you have an original source of information. And that is what is happening in England at the moment with the vaccination. All sorts of conspiracy theories from, oh my God, if you get vaccinated, they're putting a chip in you. you do you understand what I am saying? That it, it, the Western way of life is contradicting itself. Well, I mean, yes, the fascinating thing is that the, the big, big change in my lifetime was uh, the invention of the internet. And so you would think, oh, well, the internet's going to be a wonderful thing. Everyone can get access to everything and know everything that's going on. But of course, a lot of what you hear is, is lies. So, uh, yeah. I mean, Donald Trump's fascinating because Donald Trump has this sort of thing that if he says it, if he says something, then I think in his own brain, it happens to be a fact. It becomes a fact because he said it. And sadly, this has happened to a lot of the voters as well. So uh, his supporters, if he says something without any, any background proof at all, if he says something, it, it, it is true. I don't know what that was about. What was that about? I don't know either, but we were talking about North Korea. And it's what you said about the fact that North Koreans don't know what's happening outside their country. But it's the same with America. Most Americans don't know what's happening outside their country apart from what's happening in America. Talk less of even people who live in New York, they don't even know what's happening in California. That's why they have, and this is what's interesting. It was, it was an education to look at American elections. And I didn't know that you had different states have different ways of electing. Sorry? Uh, extraordinary. They have different voting systems. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, so it's, 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 it feels like a country within a country. Several yeah. other countries within. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's crazy. I mean, but, the, whole thing, the, whole, the whole American political system is very bizarre. I mean, all, all this thing about, they've all got different voting systems, different ways of counting things, and different rules. And then the, the, vote, the vote is taken. And other people have to come in and say, oh, yes, that, that really is the vote. And, and, then, what, uh, and what I did. Sorry, go on. Go on, go on. no, no, and then they're in, they're uh, they're electing a president who then changes everyone who works under him. I mean, in this, in this country, it's much better because you have a civil service that, by and large, never changes, and they actually run the country. And then the, the politicians come in and they they tell the civil service what the rules, are, what what their philosophy is. Whereas in America, you, every every four years, you just in effect change the civil service, and so no one knows anything every four years. And, and what was really odd as well is how the media were the ones who declared that Joe Biden had been elected. I well, find that enough. really odd. That's fair enough. We did that in Britain. I mean, once you, once you reach a certain point, the BBC is going to say, oh, well, uh, so-and-so has won the general election. So it's obvious that the media runs the country. Well, no, I mean, if, if you get more, if you get uh, whatever it is, 500, was it 520 votes? If you get a certain number of votes, then uh, you've won the election. Yeah, yeah, but that wouldn't have on the dictatorship. What made you go to North Korea? Uh, I, when I was about uh, 28 or 30, I thought I've never really been out of the country. I've got to go to interesting places. And I thought if I go to France or Germany or, or America, they're all pretty much like England, really. You know, I, I want to go somewhere that's going to change uh, in the next 20 years, 25 years. So I went to Albania. Which which was an interesting education. <laughs> and then there, because that was so interesting, and then there, I made a habit of going to, a, a, well, they were mostly communist, but they're mad communist countries, uh, because it was very difficult to actually find a mad non-communist country apart from Paraguay. But, uh, okay. uh, so, so I went to eccentric countries that were going to change, or, or very bizarre countries. So okay. I didn't go, to, didn't go to France until about, you know, number 10 or something in the countries I went to, and then only about for a weekend. Okay, so, so you... But I'm still trying to understand 
why you decided you were going to go to North Korea because it was a, an eccentric country. What what was the attraction? You just wanted something different. Is that yes. what it was? Okay. Yeah, I wanted something different. I wanted something that wouldn't be there if I went back in in twenty years. I did go back in twenty years, virtually, and it was exactly the same. But, uh, so you didn't see when you say you went back the second time, you didn't see any difference in the quality of life of people or in anything. Well, yeah, well, yes, the, the skyscrapers were a bit bigger and the, the monuments to the uh, the uh, the Kim family were gigantically bigger. Everything was a bit bigger, especially the, the, the monuments to the, the family. Uh, because when, when I went there, of course, they know who exactly who you are. Uh, the, the guide said, uh, oh, you must see uh, lots of changes in, in North Korea since the last time you were here. And I was thinking, nah, not really. They're all just, uh, they're all just cowed. But were you brave enough to tell them that there were no changes? <laughs> the first time I went to North Korea, I went in via China. Now, I was in a, in a group. Well, obviously, I was in a group. Uh, and uh, the, the person that I was sharing a room with and I got all the jokes out of our system in China before we actually went into North Korea. Because yeah. the North Koreans uh, have very good uh, Chinese technology in there. And so all, all the rooms are obviously bugged. So you can't say anything. We actually did meet someone, I'll probably get someone killed for saying this now. We did meet someone who was a, a translator for the North Korean government. He was an Australian, I think. And he, he, he wanted to talk to us. And he, so he took us to uh, the middle of a hotel where there was a gigantic gap. And we, we stood next to fountains and spoke there. Because, of course, it was very difficult to bug uh, anything near a fountain. And also we went to the, what was it? I think we went to the Pakistani ambassador's residence because someone knew him. And he had a chat with us, but uh, before he started talking, he pointed to the radiogram. And obviously that was where the bug was, inside the residence of the ambassador. Uh, okay, okay. So, but... Is it, it, this, they're they're going to listen to everything. Yeah, okay, cool. That, that's understandable. But you could also say that in the West, they listen to everything. Apparently, our mobile phones are bugged. Do you believe that? Do you believe that they listen to everything? Well, a mobile phone is a two-way communication device. So, I mean, I remember watching the conversation, a Francis Ford Coppola film in, I don't know, 1970s or 80s or something. Mm. <coughs> and uh, that was very interesting because uh, in, in days of yore, you had to bug telephones from a telephone exchange and you had to insert a bug in the telephone. And you don't have to do that anymore. And, and the way they did it in the conversation was that they, you could just, uh, you, you did it in the, central point and you blew a whistle down the line and it, it activated the microphone because if you have a telephone in the room with you it's a it's a microphone mm. and all you have to do is switch it on okay. so it's a, it's a two it's a, so every, everyone who has a, a mobile phone uh oh you can't see it mobile phone <laughs> everyone, it's an invisible mobile phone it's one of the new breed of apples <laughs> if, if you're carrying a mobile phone with you you're every anyone who's can get into the telephone company system, knows where you are because it's got GPS positioning. Mm -hmm. Anyone who, who can get access to the phone uh, can listen to you because it's got a microphone. So, you know, you, you just got to assume everything. I, I, know, I know a private detective who, who runs an agency and uh, he, he doesn't uh, have a computer in, sorry, no, he doesn't, he has a computer where he puts all his, his uh, secret stuff, but it's not connected to the wife, to the internet. Because obviously the internet again is a two-way communication system. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you can get out on the internet, then other people can get in the internet. So uh, you don't want to have a, a Wi-Fi connection to the computer with your most secret secrets. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember once I was talking to a friend uh, in my home, 
uh, and this voice pipes up from the computer. And it was someone we knew in, in, uh, in New York who'd Skyped us. And then I'd been out of the room when he Skyped us. I hadn't heard it go. And when we walked into this, this my, my spare bedroom, in fact, uh, this voice piped out the computer. And somehow he was able to listen in to what we were saying via Skype. Maybe they've changed it now, but I mean, you just assume everyone's listening to you. I mean, Tony Blair had this thing about, uh, it was something that he wanted to, he, did, he was very against uh, saying in court how certain things had been found out. And I thought, why is he doing this? And I thought, well, it would make sense if you can have a satellite up in, in geostationary orbit over a country that you could uh, not just photograph it, but you could listen into what's going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there was, a, in the 60s, there was, uh, it was the Zircon satellite, wasn't it? Yeah. That, um, that um, uh, they were listening, the, the West was listening into all above ground communications in the Soviet Union. Mm. So uh, if, if you were talking on a telephone, uh, which was using a mast, if you were talking on uh, on the, uh, a phone car in a, an official car on a road in Moscow. If you were allegedly, if you were a secretary talking to her boss in the Kremlin on an intercom, mm -hmm. they could hear what was being said. Mm -hmm. And so, as a result, the Russians buried all everything in, land, in lines under the ground. So, who, you just have to assume nowadays that everyone can listen to you and, and know everything about you. Yeah, definitely. So, John, just going back to, I'm just very curious. Uh, I, I, I'm beginning to understand. Your, your your mind and uh, and the fact that you you I'd went like to, to apologize <laughs> that you had to go to North Korea twice. Is there anything you loved about the country that you think could easily be adopted in the Western world that could be adopted in Britain, considering the state of British politics at the moment? Mm, I think the answer is no to that. Uh, no, at all. I mean, you, you, you're talking 1984 in, in North Korea. Yeah, so, but it's quite likely that if you go back now, the, with, with, with Donald Trump uh, having this fantastic friendship with uh, Kim Jong-un, that the country, <laughs> the country might be different right now. No, no, the Kim, Kim Jong-un, well, Kim Jong-un and, and Vladimir Putin, Putin, Vladimir Putin, uh, were very good at playing Donald Trump, so. Yeah, you, you think so? You think this was just a fake, just a way of just massaging his ego rather than genuinely. If you, if you say you're a brilliant man and uh, you're a great man, he's just got to go for it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, but why would you, this is, I'm going to challenge you. Why would you go back there if you didn't enjoy what you saw the first time? Because it was interesting. I'm quite happy to watch Edinburgh Fringe shows that are absolute shit. Uh, but if they're interesting, that's okay. <laughs> So, so you, so you would regard North Korea like an Edinburgh, a, a shit Edinburgh Fringe show? Is that what you're basically saying to me? I wouldn't like to be quoted as saying that. But <laughs> when, when I, one, one big thing I have is uh, I, I admire Michael McIntyre tremendously. He's a great comedian. Michael well, he's McIntyre. not. He's not Kim Jong Un. He's not Kim Jong. -un. No, no, no. But he's a brilliant comedian. But I wouldn't want to see him because uh, you're going to get a. a, a a second perfect every time you see him. It's going to be exactly the same show every time. It'll be brilliant. It'll be the same level all the time. Yeah. I'd much rather see a much rather see a comedy that goes up and down and up and down in troughs and peaks. So, 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 so that is your explanation for going to North Korea twice. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 okay. So okay. Let let maybe let me rephrase the question. 
So if it's not about things that you saw there that could be transferred to Britain, is there anything you liked about the country at all? Anything? Well, like, no, I didn't like it. No, I mean, it was interesting. I would go for interesting all the time. <laughs> so uh, what, what about the food? Was the food good? Were the women good? Were the, you know? The... Well, the, the food was good for us. It wasn't very good for the peasants. But I mean, but basically in, in, uh, in Pyongyang, the capital, everything was very, very nice and very okay. organized. In yeah. the countryside, shit. Uh, so I mean, we we were taken to you know a, 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 a manufacturer of, of uh, mechanical farmyard implements. We do combine harvests, all this stuff, yeah. and the, the glories of, of North Korea striding ever forwards in in, in the future. But if, in fact, if you went around in a coach around the countryside, they had horses and, and hand plows because they're, they're you know they're, they're starving in the countryside. Yeah, but so. You'll gather I'm not going back a third time. You're not, you're definitely not going back. Well, not safely. Maybe when they see this YouTube video, they might not even want you coming back the third time. I, I, wouldn't, have to go to, I wouldn't have to go to North Korea. North Korea will come to me, I fear. Yeah. So the, 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 you, you, you mentioned something about uh, not outside the, in, in, the, in the city that they were more organized. Uh, and one of the things I think uh, Britain suffers from is that it's so disorganized in the way it does its politics. Surely the, the organization side of North Korea is something that could be transferred to Britain in terms of how they are so organized. And, and don't well, well, efficiency isn't always a good thing. I mean, I think probably Adolf Hitler was quite organized. I mean, the, the, the Nazis were probably quite organized at German efficiency. I don't know if it's very admirable that I really want it over here. <laughs> But but yeah okay so we know what Adolf Hitler did was wrong. However, the legacy from the, the efficiency is still benefiting Germany at the moment, isn't it? We all drive. Most people drive German cars. The German economy is better than 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 most European countries, isn't it? It's better, certainly better than Britain. Even though yeah, Britain is not part of Europe anymore. But sorry, I think, they, I think your best argument here is to go for Thames Link. Yeah, exactly. Well, Thameslink is not German, is it? <laughs> I, think, I think it's French. I'm not very really sure it's Gobier. Yeah. But I know, I know, I know. If not Korea, we're operating. You know, it's really interesting that you 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 you're finding it really difficult to 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 tell me what the positives are. But I'm sure you're there aware. Are no positives. No, I'm sure you're aware that uh, the British government, uh, in terms of PPE equipment, is being manufactured by North Korea. <laughs> it's, no, honestly, I mean, I mean, God help us all. Yes, God help us all. But that is my understanding. That was the latest information that I heard. That the PPE equipment, I was quite shocked. It's actually coming from North Korea. I think it's mostly coming from China, isn't it? But they've subcontracted it to North Korea. Have they? Yes. Well, I'm just going to commit suicide now. There's no, no, no you you can't commit suicide. This is this is the thing. It's like, this is the thing, you, uh, and, and, and they, they, they give, uh, the British government give British, they give dictators a bad name, just like how they would, no, honestly, how they, what they value, they value good dictators, John. Look at Saudi Arabia. They will always condemn Saudi Arabia, but they sell weapons to Saudi Arabia. Look at China, the same thing. You know, it, Britain can't have it. They, you know, they either uh, uh, basically say, we will not deal with dictators. Yeah, we're not trade with them. We don't want anything to do with them, boom. You can't have it both ways. That is what I'm saying. I genuinely think you are a you enjoy you enjoyed going 
going to North Korea. You, this is one of the reasons. Yeah, you, you, you are fascinated by dictatorship. That's why you become friends with me. I know that for a fact. That's why you have uh, the ex-North Korean leaders poster on there. You are a dictator friend. You, you yeah. want dictatorship, but you just don't know how you are going to embrace it. No, I, I did like 20 years working in television promotions. In other words, trying to persuade people to watch TV shows they never heard of. And so I'm very interested in the way people are persuaded to do things yeah. uh, and how, how you can persuade people to do uh, uh, anything. How, why, why would they watch a certain programme? Well, because I'm brilliant at persuading people to watch programmes. Why would you believe a load of old bollocks in North Korea? Uh, well, because you're brought up from birth, uh, learning false history. How do you, how, I'm very interested in dictators, but how do you persuade people to live under a dictatorship? You know what's really fascinating? I, I tweeted about this and uh, it's about Donald Trump. And you know what really frustrates me about Western countries? They always talk about coups. They, you know, there's been a coup or, the, or Trump, even though I don't believe that this is a coup, a coup will be really bloody. You know, people will be dead by now. And it's how he has cleverly, under Western standards, has been able to do a sort of coup by not conceding defeat. And he has not, it's not been bloody. There has been no guns, no military people have been involved. I mean, the US Army haven't been involved. And I find that really frustrating. You know, but all of a sudden, I find, honestly, I really find it, you know, when Americans keep talking about gun control and they kill all those kids in, in, in schools and all that stuff, there is real gun control right now in terms of the elections. They haven't killed. They, you know, the president is still very much alive. You know, I, I'm not suggesting that anything should happen to him, but you know, there is gun control right now in terms of their debating and they're going to the courts in terms of who's won the election. It's ridiculous. It is really uh, ridiculous. But uh, I, you're a friend of dictatorship. I know that for a fact. I know that you, if you had the opportunity to go to North Korea today, you will, because it's, it will be better. You will get, you will get to North Korea than traveling from London to Bohem, which Bohem tempts me. I know, I know that. <laughs> I could get to the Mars before I can get on, on the Thameslink train. Yeah, yeah. So I, what, I, I, was, I was very careful after the first time I went to North Korea not to write about it. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think you must write about this interview and you must write about the subject, North Korea. Uh, John, what are your plans for the future? What, what, how, how, 2020 is almost ending. Uh, we've just got a few weeks left. What are your plans for the future? Well, I think you better ask Boris about that. I don't know. I mean, we're supposed to be coming out of this on the 2nd of December, but uh, then he's going to put us into a, a stricter rule, a stricter tier three, whatever that means. I don't know what that means, but that feels like a, like a comedy industry where you have open mic, semi-pro and pro comedians. That's how I see it. What, what, what is a three-tier system? I've never really understood it because it means that all the other countries in the UK, like Wales, uh, Scotland, uh, what's the other one? Is it Northern Ireland? They will, <laughs> they will, they will, they will, uh, will be out of lockdown. But England will still be under some kind of restriction. What does that actually mean? Well, well, my, my friend Louisette Stodel, who's a, a judge at the Leicester Comedy Festival, told me that she told me well, 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 several months ago that it would all end in tears, and she was right. And what about the future of Edinburgh Fringe? Do you think there will be an Edinburgh Fringe next year? No. Well, I think there'll be an Edinburgh Fringe of some kind, but uh, it won't be, the audiences won't want to go because if you go to the Edinburgh Fringe, oh no, I'm, I'm lying. Apparently, apparently most of the audiences at Edinburgh, according to the Edinburgh Fringe Society, uh, are from Edinburgh. 
from that's, EH post for EH postcodes. I, so I don't think I don't think that's correct. It, it used to be correct. I mean, it might not be now. It was a free print, but I, I was amazed because didn't they weren't even coming from Fife or Glasgow. Most of the people were actually coming from Edinburgh, whereas I I always thought they were coming from abroad and all over the place. But uh, uh, but I you you've seen me in Edinburgh. I've been to Edinburgh several times. The people you performed in Edinburgh. Are you a comedian? No, I am not. I only go there to address people. Um, but I know I've done it three times, and I know that I do attract foreign audiences. Uh, I've never really asked whether they're from Edinburgh, but I just know that I, I do have people who do not live in Edinburgh who have come for the festival. So I don't know. They might be right. But I think, I think John, there might be a smaller fringe where the big four are the ones with high profile comics who end up doing Edinburgh next year. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, presumably if you're a high profile television comic, people will come and see you. Whereas uh, a free fringe, a free, a free fringe or free festival comic, no one's ever heard of. And then they're not, they're not going to risk seeing a, a comedian that they don't know about in a venue that might, might possibly be dangerous. Yeah, de definitely. But hopefully it won't be dangerous. Hopefully the British government will get their act together and vaccinate everyone before Edinburgh Fringe. You know, just stop people on the streets and just vaccinate everyone so yeah. that the fringe can happen. I, I, I don't know. The vaccine's going to work, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Are you, what, what are your plans for the week? Do you have a extensive, I know you can't travel, or you, are you, have you been using Zoom? Apart from this one, do you use I Zoom a lot? I don't like Zoom, no, I hate Zoom. I Why don't you like Zoom? What mediums do you like? Because it's not Apple. Oh, excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, when the, the Zoom, but then, I mean, uh, uh, Apple and uh, Apple and uh, Microsoft and uh, also, uh, Google and all sorts of people have exactly the same thing, which seems to be more efficient. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Zoom, there's always seems to be problems with Zoom for some reason. Yeah. And it's supposed to be it's supposed to be very insecure Zoom. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, look, my plans are whatever Boris tells me about that. I'm going to have a bath tomorrow, so that, that's that's got that annual event out of the way. You you know what is really interesting is that throughout this interview, I have been talking to you about what your plans are, and it's as if you are asking for permission from Boris Johnson. It feels like the, you you now have the North Korea effect. You know, it's he's it, not really a dictator, but feels like a dictator. You can't, you you are no longer in control of what you do every day. It all depends on what the dear leader and his girlfriend says. How do I answer this, Boris? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yes, you are right. We're, we're now ruled by a female uh, prime minister again, aren't we? Yeah, she's the most powerful girlfriend that I have seen since I've been in this country. Really powerful. Uh, yeah. I was trying to think of a funny, I can't think of a funny riposte. No, there is, there, there, you don't, there doesn't have to be. It could be just silence. <laughs> Besides. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing for the rest of my, my life or the rest of the year, God knows. I mean, uh, I'm pottering around and seeing people. Okay, so I, I uh, it's been a pleasure having you, John. And, uh, oh, come, I, come. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and genuinely, I. I'm still a bit confused about why you went to North Korea. I just feel that you're being very cagey. Uh, hopefully you, you weren't a British spy. Uh, you weren't working for the MFI or, or M5 or whatever it's called. Um, what, but, what they uh, call, MI6 is actually called the SIS, the Secret Intelligence Service. Yes, yes. And MI5 is called the, C, the, the Security Service, but never known by its initials. Oh, no, okay. SIS, yeah. but not SS. We never yeah. use the initials. See, see I, think, I think I have proven my point. You know so much about secret agents <laughs> and how they operate. But John, it's been a pleasure 
to have you here. I know you are a very busy man, especially when Thames League is not working properly. I, <laughs> I, 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 I will make just one demand before I end the show. And this is my demand. My I'll demand, my demand is this. I want you, before I end this show, to remove that poster behind you and replace it with a President Obonjo poster. You have two minutes to do that. I can't that. do it because it, it's... Two minutes! It's a photograph. I can't no, do it. Two minutes, John. Two minutes. <laughs> it's ticking. Whilst he's looking for my picture, I want to thank you all. No, he hasn't been able to do it. I want to thank you all for uh, listening to this. I do respect John, and I want to say it's been an honor and privilege to have him here. And I want to My thank honor. him and publicly uh, for supporting me uh, last year. And uh, I'm hoping that when this lockdown is over and everyone has been vaccinated, that I will meet um, John for a drink and we can plan strategy moving forward. So John, I hope you have enjoyed yourself. Uh, I still insist that you must remove that poster. Uh, you must remove that poster or I am not ending this show. Yeah, I could probably do it on Apple, but I can't do it on Bleeding Zoom, can I? Yeah. This is preposterous, cod swallow. I don't know, even know what English to say, uh, but thank you so much for joining me, folks. I am totally disappointed that I had an interview with John Fleming. He is supposed to be my friend and he has a poster of King John Hoon's father behind him. Thank you so much and thank you for joining. Thank you, John. You have a good evening and catch up with you guys next week. Thank you. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.